This is Secrets of the Holographic Universe with Carl Vibe, Part 1. So the Sonic Tribe knows that from about April until August, I was extremely manic. And during that time, I solved Einstein's God equation, figured out how Tic Tacs fly, and started the intellectual groundwork and the mental gymnastics to figure out how to generate an electromagnetic field that would separate us from our Higgs field, render us massless, and allow us to fly like the Tic Tac spaceships that the Navy has confirmed really exist. And the Sonic Tribe knows that when I get really, really manic, I get really, really smart. And but on the other hand, when I come down from being manic, I get really depressed and, and really, really dumber. Like, way dumber. But it's kind of cool for a couple of reasons, because I'll listen to it again and I'll think to myself, man, that guy's fucking smart. And then I feel kind of nice, the warm little fuzzy reassurance that I'm not manic. And that is a fact. But when I got really low in August, after being manic for like three months straight, Singularity Mike gave me the audio for the interview that we'd done on his YouTube channel, The Singularity Lab. And so I split it up into some podcasts and I was able to share that with you while I recovered. And during that interview, there was a panel of folks who were commenting and asking questions. And one of those panel members was Carl Vibe. And despite the fact that we're polar opposites, he and I hit it off pretty well. And he invited me to an interview on his show to talk about sonic gravity and the holographic universe. And especially if you have kids, you probably know Carl. He is a legit YouTube influencer. His YouTube channel, Carl the Crusher, formerly Carl and Ginger, has about 3 million subscribers, millions and millions of views, and some really great family content. He's pretty much the quintessential American cool dad and family man, but he's got a real heart for spiritualism and cultural anthropology and his fellow human beings. He's got tons of empathy, and if I was being totally honest, I would probably have to admit he's pretty much in many respects the polar opposite of me. And the really interesting thing is that he and I come from complete polar opposites in terms of the way we think and the things, the way we see the universe, but the really interesting thing is that we kind of end up at the exact same place and that is a fact because he's kind of a tie-dyed hippie talking about one universal consciousness but when you think about it i'm a bipolar autistic psychopath talking about how we're all sitting on the surface of a 2d hologram like a slice of cheese bent around into an orb where the 2d surface of the hologram is encoding a 3d universe inside and our consciousness is merely energy on the surface of this black hole where we embody the law of conservation of information as as we record time in our memories and our DNA. But when you think about it, the surface of that black hole is a unified consciousness. Then even though we're intellectually and our personalities are totally different, we're kind of ending up at the exact same place. And he and I spoke for two hours and it went by in a blink. So I asked him for the audio, I chopped it up into five sections, and so I'm publishing these as just a few extra bonus podcast episodes, but I encourage you, especially if you have kids, to check out Carl the Crusher. Carl's a really good dude, and he's got some really good family content. And so I really hope you enjoy the Sonic Gravity presentation of the Carl Vibe Show. Here's part one. We are live. 
Thank you for joining us here on the Carl Vibe Show and podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, uh, Brad Voorhees. He is the host of the Sonic Gravity podcast and blog and website. And he is also a veteran of the U.S. military. He is a uh, has all sorts of interesting experience in philosophy and theories. He's an engineer, and he's also possibly building a, some sort of an anti-gravity machine. He has a lot of interesting theories and philosophies on black holes, the nature of reality, UFOs, human consciousness. So we're going to bring him right aboard. It's going to be a really awesome, interesting, and fascinating fascinating conversation where we're going to go right off the deep end and uh, maybe over a lot of people's heads, but we don't care. We're going to have a lot of fun. In fact, before the show even started, we were jumping into a lot of stuff and talking about the nature of reality and all kinds of really cool stuff. So we couldn't wait to get started. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring aboard uh, Brad Voorhees. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, super, Carl. Thanks for letting me share space with you. Yeah, it's awesome. So if anybody who wants to check out Brad, please go do it. I've been kind of soaking up his uh, podcast over the last couple of days. I put the link down in the description below on YouTube for those of you guys that are uh, checking it out. So Brad, you've got some really uh, interesting theories and philosophies about the nature of reality, uh, black holes, uh, UFOs, extraterrestrials, and kind of maybe a unified theory of everything that maybe we can get into uh, today, if we can get into it. But first of all, let's introduce everybody to you a little bit. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're a, a veteran of the military. You're a, a father. And how did you get interested in, in this whole topic? Yeah, well, uh, uh, I went to school for engineering uh, and I was a civil engineer. I finished my master's degree and went into the army. And that's kind of a story because I didn't really want to be an engineer, but I had to because of this army scholarships kind of long story to talk about later. But and then uh, then I went into the army and loved it. Um, but I am without empathy. So mm. in order to survive in the army and be a leader, I had to come up with this sort of like rules based leadership thing. I call it the physics of leadership. Uh, and so because I'm like clinically a psychopath, so uh, I'm autistic, too, and bipolar. So I had to had to figure out a way to think about leadership that didn't have anything to do with empathy. Um, I did well. The army sent me to law school. So I came back into the army as a JAG, uh, deployed to Afghanistan with uh, Colonel Nicholson was the third brigade combat team uh, brigade commander. And he eventually became four-star general Nicholson in charge of all of Afghanistan. I'd left by then. I went to work in the federal government. Uh, so um, I've done some other things, other than that, I got four kids, um, love all of them, and uh, just insanely, no pun intended. Or, you know. uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just awesome. And I started podcasting just to kind of like vent some of the things in my brain. And uh, I started maybe, what, beginning of 2020? And it just, it's just endless material. And I, I saw those UFOs uh, that the Navy confirmed were there back in uh, what, like April of 2020. And it just triggered in my mind. Like I started getting manic. Like when you're, when you're bipolar, yeah, you get manic, you start like everything's big, everything's huge. And um, 
for which me, if you can, which if you can attach to something positive in your life can be like a superpower, <laughs> right? If it gets attached to something like an addiction can be really destructive. But like, so you got yeah. this attached to like the UFO UAP topic and it sent you down a rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. it, it just makes me when I spin up, the more manic I get, I, I really think I just get smarter and smarter. Right. But then when I go down, like I get dumber and dumber and depressed and stuff. So it's kind of, you know, you got to manage it. You know what I mean? And so, but then I just started spinning up and up and up and up. And I started figuring out stuff about the UFOs, I think. And uh, like, I think I solved the God equation, came up with this whole sort of theory of everything in the universe. And now it's kind of led me to, and we'll see if it works or not. If it works, it's the ultimate testament uh, to whether or not I'm just a madman or whether or not there's actually like, you know, kind of genius in the chaos. I mean, we'll see. And it'll all come down to whether or not when I plug in that anti-gravity generator, it'll be sitting on a scale and I plug it in and it works. It's going to get lighter. And if it doesn't, then it won't work. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. It'll uh, reducing gravity or mass or it'll somehow uh, you'll be able to sense that if you do it. So what what, what was it about uh, seeing the UFO or UAP footage that sort of piqued your curiosity or started to create that intrigue? What was it about the footage? Because a lot of people watch it. They don't even understand the FLIR footage or really what they're seeing. They don't understand like or fathom how something like that could move or fly. They just say, oh, it's alien, you know. So what is what was it that really triggered you to understand maybe physics or reality from a different perspective. Yeah. Right. I mean, like you see something like that and you're just kind of tempted to go, Oh, it's alien. You know what I mean? It's really hard to process. So my whole critical thinking philosophy is know thyself. You have to know what you know. And then if you focus on knowing what you know, everything else in the universe, right. Is something you don't know. So if you know what you know, and you know what you don't know, then you can know everything. And that's the basic uh, critical thinking philosophy I have. And so, so I was looking at the UAPs and I said to myself, all right, the only way that they could take off like a bullet or corner on a 90 degree angle at hundreds of thousands of miles an hour, however fast they go, is if they had no mass. Because right. if you don't have any mass, then you can't pull G's right? Like you you don't like, you know, when you hit the gas in your car, you know, when you get pressed into the back of the seat, it's because you have mass. It's because there's time dilation there. When you go faster through space, you go slower through time. And you you can kind of think of it as, um, well, I have a podcast episode called Critical Thinking Part 7, UFOs, UAPs, and the Key to Immortality. And I go through what time dilation is. But essentially, when there's two ways that you can get essentially time dilation, gravity and movement. And so if you move through space, you go slower through time. And if you, if you sit though, if you sit in the same spot in a gravity, well, your time is frozen as far as gravity is concerned to that level, the deeper you go into gravity, well, the slower your time moves. But the reason you feel gravity is because your time slows down as you accelerate. But the gravity of mass is trying to keep you in the same time. And Mm -hmm. so when you feel that tension between something that's trying to slow your clock and something that's trying to keep up, trying to stay where it is, you feel that tension in what we call the Higgs string. And that's Mm -hmm. the force of gravity. 
And so when you hit the gas in your car, you get pressed into the back of your seat because the car is trying to slow your time, but the gravity is trying to keep it the same. And it's mm. that difference that gives you. And so when you think about, say, when you jump out of an airplane, like if you skydive right now, you're falling through space much faster when you skydive than when you're in your car, but right. you feel, but you don't feel any gravity. And the reason it just, it's kind of nice. You know, you kind of float down, just don't open your mouth because like it'll <laughs> blow your cheeks wide open. Right? <laughs> right. And so, so, but when you jump out of a, of, of a, of an airplane, you're falling deeper into a gravity well, which right. is slowing your clock because you're getting closer to the gravity, but you're right. also speeding up. So that's slowing your clock too. So it matches. You're parallel in time. You're not crossing a curvature of time. And that's why you feel no gravity. It's like and, a counterbalance uh, yeah. system is set up in the universe. Almost like, and if you're talking about messing with time or time travel when it comes to the factor of speed or movement, then really it seems like everything in our perceptual reality is based on the speed of light. Like there's this wall at the edge of the speed of light. And this is like our perceptual universe. That may not be the maximum speed allowed. It just means that our physical known reality, as far as we can perceive it with the colors of the rainbow that we're equipped to perceive, uh, kind of end there. But if, as I guess what you're saying is like, hypothetically, if you approach the speed of light and as you do that, or get to the speed of light, you would perceive reality basically as frozen or almost like a, like a sand particles floating that you could move through without mass, almost like float through it. Like it would be smoke. Yeah. I mean, I've never been at the speed of light, but I, I, and so I'm not, I think that if you were to go at the speed of light, I think you would feel like you were just normal. Right. Right. But you actually wouldn't be aging. Like you, you would, and you, you would be going really, really fast, like all through everything. You wouldn't be aging, but everybody else would be going super slow and they would be like dying right in front of you. You know what I mean? They would be. Yeah. And and imagine all the, like every electron and every photon, if there are particles suddenly holding still, then what would become revealed was the emptiness between all of that movement would be become like suddenly like a traversable space, which might be why we see these. UFO craft appear to fly right into solid objects and mountains and into the ocean unaffected because they're just moving through it. Like it would be like smoke to them if they're moving at that intense speed. Cause, cause they have no mass. They have okay. no mass. Right. Because that's exactly why, because they have no mass. Now you'll see sometimes like I I've seen some footage where there's like a craft and it goes down and it splashes. And I, there's a reason for that. And uh, so what, so the whole quantum echo hypothesis, right, is that the Higgs field, right, which is the field that essentially ties all of our matter to a specific slice of Planck time that we're in. Like you can think of time like a, a slice of cheese. Think of the universe as a slice of cheese, like craft, right? right? Like planes of glass or something yeah. all yeah. stacked up like layers. Yeah. And so we're – and so – Imagine the universe as a slice of cheese. It's a hologram, though. So when you're in it, it looks kind of like your TV, right? It's like it looks like you got a 3D picture. You can see the whole universe. When you look around, it's kind of like a like a TV, right? You could everything can be encoded in a 3D 
universe on a 2D holographic surface. There's a super duper smart physicist, um, uh, Gerard de Tooft, and he got a fight with Stephen Hawking about this, but he won the fight. He beat the hawk. He won the fight and told him and like that we don't lose information in a black hole because anything that would go into a black hole, it's it could be recorded on the surface of the black hole, so you don't lose any information. I know it sounds kind of like weird and technical or whatever, but bottom line is is that uh, you can think of the universe as a slice of say cheese, right? And then imagine like the craft stack of all that cheese. And essentially we're moving slice to slice like through time. And it's sort of kind of like a movie, like you have all these frames, right? Yeah. And so what I think happens is we're moving at the speed of light and you're either moving, you're either standing still, right? And moving at the speed of light through time. Or you're moving at the speed of light in that slice of cheese and staying in that slice of cheese. So it's like you're either going to move through time at the speed of light or you're going to move in that slice of cheese at the speed of light. Or if you're somewhere in between, you're going to be moving at a slower rate at a high, you know, but faster inside. the. Does that make sense? Yes. It's like if you were if you were all if you were like completely still you'd be moving at the speed of light through time. But if you were moving at the speed of light in that slice of cheese, you would stay in that slice of cheese. Because you'd be matching the field movement. Right. Yep. Now, yeah, now you see it. And so, so what I think in the Higgs field is what I think. And I think is, you know, kind of a popular theory. I think if it's not, everybody's wrong and I'm right. (laughs) But (laughs) So the Higgs field is what ties all the matter, I think, in the universe to the slice of cheese, to the slice of time that we're in. And so what happens is, is if you decouple the Higgs field that is holding the mass, like say I make a, a, a electromagnetic field and it kind of pops out, like, you know, it makes right. this like force field. So you have like a, every- yeah, that, the substrate energetic field. So, yeah, so you have like, just so everybody listening understands, you have a field, which imagine it being like a, I don't know how to describe it, because if you say like a cloud, you're thinking like particles of vapor, but it really is just like an energetic field. It's like air. Yeah. Like air, just like a jelly block, but it's uh, fluid or just energy. And then you've got particles that would be like a coalesced, actually like a speck floating in that or moving around like an electron or photon. And then you've got waveforms, which is like within that field, you get uh, coalesced sort of lines or strings or waves that sort of form like threads throughout that field. So there's Mm -hmm. all sorts of debate that paradoxically fields, strings, waves, and particles all sort of can exist paradoxically at the same time and or same ways in superposition in different forms somehow, or we can't quite sort out which one reality is made of quite yet. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, anyway. there's so many people, they think different, different things. So like say particle yeah. physics, if you want to look at it like particles, you can think of it like your TV, right? So there's like inside a pixel, right? Inside a pixel, there's like a red, a blue, and a green little color element. And so if you turn off the green and you have like blue and red, it makes a purple, you know what I mean? And if you, if you turn off everything except red, you get a red spot. Right. And so, and so like you can, the different combinations and flashings of all the little color elements inside that pixel gives you your picture. And so 
You can think of the pixels in your TV, the little like, you know, the little spots in your TV. You can think of those as atoms. And inside the atom, you have little elements of color like red, blue and green. And so if you want to think of it like an atom, the pixels, the atom and then like the quarks and stuff are the little color elements. Right. So so that's kind of a way. And so when like you said, when you superposition like you can conceivably like say you have your TV screen, if you turned off the red and the green, all you would have is the blue. Right. And so you'd look at your TV and it would be like a field of blue. And like some way, places it would be bright blue, and some places it would be black. Like if there was no blue there, and it would be dimmer in different places. But it's all blue, and the right. same you could turn them off, just have the green and the red. But when you do superposition, like you said, it comes together, and it's like your HD TV picture. Suddenly, you and, get those different uh, chromatics or cross, where you can start to have go from binary these basic simple elements, the three colors become the colors of the rainbow, become uh, multiple colors. And then ultimately everything you see in reality, when you look out of your own skull, that's what you perceive all boils down to those three colors ultimately, but you're right. So there's the individual pixels that represent like an energetic source, like like an atom, but ultimately what they exist in is sort of a field or Mm -hmm. a, uh, like an ocean of, uh, of an energetic substrate or like a foundational base, which is very interesting because the closer science looks, we pin down and we say, okay, we've got another particle. And then you say, well, what is that particle made of? And inside that or what holds all those particles together is some sort of a, a phenomenal field at the yeah, same time. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so like you're, so just like in our example of the TV, when you do superposition and you see your HD picture and it's all pixels and then the little colors inside, well, in reality, if you believe in quantum field theory, then there's 16 fields, there's 16 little doodads inside each pixel, right? And right. it's there's like 12 particle fields, one's electrons, and you know, so you have all those elementary particles, and then there's four force fields, field gravity, they think, um, the weak nuclear force, the strong nuclear force, and the uh, electromagnetic force. Magnetic force, yeah. Yeah, and so the strong nuclear force is what they think is holding the little pixels together. That's the, like when somebody does a nuclear explosion, they're really busting the strong nuclear force. They're releasing the strong nuclear force in a chain reaction. And that's what a nuclear explosion is. So, so yeah. So what I'm saying is that, and oh, there's another field that they discovered in like what 2012 or something, the Higgs field. Now I think that's actually the grab. I think the Higgs boson, the particle of the Higgs field is the graviton. And I think, the Higgs field is actually the field of gravity. And right. so we were talking about, I think it's when, like we talked about, like if, you're, if your time is being dilated, like if a rocket takes off, then it's leaving the Earth's gravity, which is speeding up its clock because it's getting further away from gravity. So as a rocket takes off, it's speeding up its time. But you're also accelerating up, right? And because you're accelerating, the acceleration slows your time. Right. Right. And it's it's that tension between the leaving the gravity is speeding up your clock and then your acceleration is slowing down your clock because as you move faster through space, you move slower through time. And it's that it's that tension that makes you feel gravity. That's what makes you pull G's. Right. And so and so that's really that tension of time is the Higgs string that is trying to hold you in the right slice of cheese in your time. And so 
that's the gravity you feel. And that's why I think the Higgs boson is the graviton. And so, okay. but if I create this field, right. And I'll, as soon as my patent date comes back, I will show you exactly how the gravity, um, anti gravity I know it sounds crazy. Like a part comes for it. And I'm like, Oh honey, I just got a part for the anti-gravity machine. Brad, these, are the, like, time, these are the times that we live in though, Brad. I, I mean, we're talking about anti-gravity looking devices flying over the Pentagon, admitting it UFOs, UAPs flying around. You've yeah. got people saying that they've come out of area 51 and that they have, you know, dark matter materials and exotic materials that are being tested. Government officials saying we have alien exotic materials we're testing. So it's not out of the realm that we have people doing garage based genetic modifying <laughs> CRISPR and people like you building gravity emitters in their garage. So <laughs> yeah. it takes a little bit of a madman to kind of like uh, break down these barriers and face this stuff because reality is coming to a head and these different uh, scientific and spiritual and philosophical realms are starting to collide, whether we like it or not, because everybody is, is having to face this issue uh, from their own perspective. And, and so here I am facing it from my perspective and you're facing it from yours and you have this engineering mindset and uh, creativity and, and looking at reality from different perspectives. And so uh, how are the UFOs doing it then, Brad? So then what like, what do you think you've cracked that make these things able to break the rules? Okay, so, and yeah, I'm sorry. That was a long way to get to your question. Your no, question, yeah, it's because, great. Yeah, because um, so in terms of critical thinking, I'm looking at them and I'm saying, okay, what do I know? 